Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm a feminist, but today I was on an important phone call about feminist activism while idly Googling Harry Styles' new haircut. (laughs) Now, what happened was, and I think it's important that you understand the context, I have ADHD, so I sort of, you know, I just end up doing two things at once and I need to do something with my hands. And it wasn't my fault that something popped up on my computer that said, Harry Styles has a buzz cut. And... Oh. <laughs> and I look, I couldn't see it. I don't think it's true. I think someone was just clickbaiting me, just going, come on, come in. Is that clickbait? But then, apparently. And then I just sort of started looking at all his haircuts, and he's had some excellent ones, I will say. Right. Now, I feel embarrassed because I used to say that Harry Styles, I used to be like, how could anyone fancy Harry Styles? Like any grown up person, obviously, you know, teenage girls and stuff. But when women would say they fancy Harry Styles, I was like, that teenage boy off X Factor. He's won me over though. Oh, has he? Oh, he's grown up I and won me over. I would not recognise Harry Styles if he fell in my lap. <laughs> Honestly, I've got no idea who he is. Well, well if, I know who he, I know the name. But if I he wouldn't falls him. in your lap... I'd recognise Daz Parker, but I wouldn't recognise... If he falls in your lap, I don't push him off. Now, 
Um, but yeah, I did. I was idly, and I thought, well, this isn't right. As I was looking at all his hairstyles, I was thinking, mm. this isn't right. But no. uh, but at the same time, I couldn't stop myself. Once isn't you've started, he a bit feminist though. Wouldn't he say his? Isn't it kind of like? Oh yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like looking at Andrew Tate. Can you imagine if I was on a feminist phone call while Googling Andrew Tate's haircut? Any bald? <laughs> Jordan Peterson's pecs. Ugh. Can you imagine men's rights activist manicures? Ugh. No, he's a feminist boy. He's a feminist young man. Yeah, Harry know. Styles. Listen, yeah. there are worse haircuts to be Googling. Boom. Yeah. I'm a feminist, but... And I know I should support women in powerful positions. Oh, I know where this is going. But I fucking hate Suella Braverman. I... Honestly, if she became Prime Minister of this country, which I think is what she's going for, she's going, she's becoming so controversial, she's trying to get herself fired so she can be the people's princess. And by people, (laughs) I do mean the worst... Oh, the, the 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 angriest, fr- most frightened. Why are you calling her your princess? Poisonous people, and and who've had a what? I don't know what's going on in their heads. And then she's going to go. All of them are too soft. Yeah, I will take all of these people who, with all their lifestyle choices, like. And if you're listening abroad, you won't have heard this, but our Home Secretary, Suella Bradman, said that being uh, homeless was a lifestyle choice, and mm. uh, homeless people shouldn't be allowed tents. And uh, my lifestyle choice is calling her a cunt. Um, <laughs> Now, what you don't know is last night I did an I'm a feminist part, which was I'm a feminist part. <laughs> you hate Suella. I did exactly that joke last night. So it's a double. So if you're listening at home and you've heard me say that before, it wasn't my fault. Um, I'm a feminist, but there's a tap dancer called Bailey Graham on the internet who's only 22. But when he shuffles... I sometimes feel so aroused that I insist he's a feminist too. Like I couldn't feel so attracted to a man who didn't care about women's rights. Do you say tap dancer? Yeah. <laughs> he's so sexy when he tap dances. Whatever you're imagining, it's not that. He's, he's the sexiest tap dancer in the world. It's like if Harry Styles and Gene Kelly had a baby. And now Gene Kelly I can get on board with. Well, then you are going to fucking love Bailey Graham. So, I didn't know people were famous tap dancers anymore. No, well, every, you can be a famous anything on TikTok now. Oh, right. And he did, he did America's Got Talent and stuff like that. He is, does anyone else know? Someone else is laughing like they know. Does anyone else know Bailey Graham? <laughs> someone is laughing like they know. Or you're just laughing at the idea of me fancying a tap dancer. Honestly, when you see him, but he's only 22, I feel so guilty about objectifying the poor young man. Um, but he was in school uniform a few years ago. It's not right. But... <laughs> Oh, I thought you meant when he tap dances. What I, what I tell him, myself... What you tell him. I don't tell him on anything. TikTok. What I tell myself is, well, obviously he's a feminist because I couldn't be attracted to anyone that much if they weren't a feminist. A boy's feminist at 22? He Do is. I sense oh, he is. You look at him to tap tattoos again, you will sense a feminism. Yeah. You, yeah. He just looks like he's a good guy. Listen, I'm not saying he's not putting that it about. That is something that's be been a... said about many a wrong before. <laughs> Bailey Graham tap dancer to the stars is not a wrong one. I will not have it. I listen. I mean, I, I don't know why I'm standing against this. I don't even know who the lad is. I've oh, got no idea. Everyone me has going, to. He can't be a feminist, but he uh, no, may well be. I really believe he is. It's not going to come up, guys. Stop worrying about me having sex with a 22 year old tap dancer. He is not going to offer. 
I'm not going to meet him. If I do meet him, I'll just be a bit like, oh, I love your dancing. And he'll be like, you remind me of my mum. <laughs> that works for some men. It's true. Milf, one lady do you know like, milf yep. porn is apparently the top porn? <gasps> do you think I've got a shot with Bailey Graham? <laughs> that's, made, that's really cheered me up. I am a feminist, but I know this is not very feminist because they're not feminist in any way, but I'm absolutely addicted to all the real housewives. I'm being judged, silently judged mm. by this entire crowd. I'm obsessed with them. Um, which one is your favourite? All of them. Really? All, New Jersey, New York, Orange County, Potomac, you name it. Fucking obsessed. Um, Oh, name... I love the way everyone's just muttering, going, I don't know what she's talking about. Name a character. From a character. That's your favourite. Well, who's your favourite? They're favorite? real people. But who's, well, <laughs> who's your favourite real housewife? My favourite real housewife? Mm. Well, they're all... Mm, ooh. <laughs> Lisa. Lisa. Lisa, which one? From Salt Lake City? Well, she really does know. Which one? Oh, Lisa Vanderpump. No, not Lisa Vanderpump. If you she was were in asked Bubba to do Beverly Real Hills. Housewives, I could answer you any it? question. You could ask me any question about Real Housewives. If you oh. if you were asked to do it, would you? No, because it would be shit. They're all there going, look at all the money I've got. Look, at... No one wants to see me pushing a trolley around Lidl. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just going, my life's shit. You can film this if you want. It's like, mm, it's not really the escapism we were hoping for, to be honest with you. Um I'm a feminist, but I recently read this sentence in a book. Uh, Christabel Pankhurst's sister once noted, many suffragists spend more money on clothes than they can comfortably afford rather than run the risk of being considered outré and doing harm to the cause. And I thought, I've never related to a sentence more. (laughs) If I time-travelled, I would want to be the best put-together suffragette. And I was reading all... I just started reading about it in this book. The avoidance of sartorial affront worked. So the avoidance of sartorial affront means there were lots of... There were there was a period where, fem, fem, like, suffragettes at the time and suffragists were seen as sort of, you know, not caring about their clothes and just, you know, being frontline feminists. And then a bunch of them went, what if we dressed really nicely to try and buck that stereotype? And this is the rest of the thing. The avoidance of sartorial affront worked. Membership numbers grew and it became fashionable to identify with the struggle for the vote, even if only by wearing a small piece of jewellery picked out in semi-pressured coloured stones or enamel. I have never heard anything more, period, I'm a feminist, but than these women who got us the fucking vote going, what are you wearing? (laughs) <laughs> but yeah but no 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 parliament square tomorrow marching what are you wearing coordinating you got, ha, yeah i've got a lovely bracelet that i think is going to work really well okay. for the cause let's all wear bustles isn't that what they wore bustles mm. no well yeah it went on for six decades so there yeah. was a period of bustles but yeah. then part of it was really getting rid of the bustles and getting bikes yeah Live from Soho Theatre in London, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Lester Benito, and our very special guest, Kate Checker, talking about milestones. Hello, 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 and welcome. Thank you so much for coming out on a Friday night, especially as this show has only been on sale for a few days. It was meant to happen last week, but I got covid on the Wednesday, it's all right, I'm not, in fact, if anything, I'm the safest person in the room because I've just had it, so I definitely don't have it now. 
Um, I could lick any of you with good conscience and might. The night is still young. Um, but we had four shows on last week. Last week's shows were sold out and this week's shows, people just found out about them and some people transferred over. So if you did transfer over, um, thank you. Just give us a cheer if you transferred over. Woo! Excellent. So you were meant to come last week. And did you have something on tonight you had to cancel? You were just, your social calendar was tumbleweed. You thought, yeah, look, any night, honestly, any night. Any night for feminism. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, anybody else? Did anyone cancel anything to be here tonight? Just by comparison, last night, a woman cancelled going to her own husband's gig. And we thought that was incredibly feminist. But she said, he's in a big band. And at first I thought she meant, like, you too or something. But she didn't. She meant, like, with trombones. And... <laughs> Uh, and so then I understood why she wanted to miss it. And she, <laughs> feminism was more of an excuse than anything, I think. Um, and just give us a cheer if you uh, just heard it was on this week and you thought, oh, I'll just come to it. <laughs> Thank you. How did you hear? This has turned into market research, hasn't it? Did you hear through the Soho Theatre website? Give us a call. Oh, for Radio 4. Who said it on Radio 4? Radio 4 said it today. That's nice of them. I didn't know that and I didn't ask them to so that was lovely that was lovely uh, so thank you so much for coming out I really really appreciate that because it's such short notice tonight we're going to be talking about milestones in our lives and how sometimes there's an imposition of you're 30 now or you're 40 now you're married now you've got a baby now or you've, you've got a you've left uni you've got a job you must be like this and we're thinking about that through a feminist lens of the things that we assume about ourselves or the things that become freeing where you think fuck it I don't have to be hot anymore or whatever it is so um, I, I've not reached that milestone yet obviously um, <laughs> consistently worried about being hot um, but is it working? obviously not for people in the front row because people in the front row this stage is really mega raised which it normally isn't it's normally on the ground and then normally you're up like this well it's I'm I know the people in the front row in the second row I know what the view you have it's the same view I have when I accidentally open my camera phone the wrong way around I go oh my god I have like 12 chins for you that's not real that's shadow that's lighting I am 45% more attractive than you think I am at least you people up there at the top I'm about 25% less attractive than you think because you've got the flattering selfie angle. You know, about that, you're, you're the only people getting an accurate view of how hot I am. This show is called The Guilty Feminist. Um, so who has a feminist job? Who believes they've got a feminist job? Just give us a cheer. I know more people have a feminist job because I know my audience. My audience has three sorts of people. Uh, one, people with the It's obviously feminist jobs like working with refugees or literacy. Uh, two, people who uh, like work to make the world a better place in general, the NHS or climate change, and three, people who are doing PhDs on Virginia Woolf. <laughs> Just give us, a, give us a cheer if you're doing a PhD on Virginia Woolf. There's always got to be somebody. Anyone doing a PhD? Yes, just do, people do PhDs, put their hands up and they didn't cheer. They were just like, just keep it orderly. Give us a cheer if you're doing a PhD. I mean, my audience is so clever that if we just locked the doors on any given audience for 24 hours and didn't let you out, which we won't because we'd be charged overtime, um, we could change, we could, we could fix 25% of the world's problems, I reckon. What's your PhD on? I, I finished. You finished. You're already a doctor. Sorry, doctor. Yes. <laughs> What's your PhD? What was it on? It was on resisting gentrification in Sao Paulo. Resisting gentrification, gentrification in Sao Paulo. Yeah. See? I'm not wrong. <laughs> Am I wrong? 
I'm not wrong. And he was, who else was doing a PhD? Who said woo? Yes, you? Uh, I'm doing it ur- urban farming. Urban farming. Yeah. Oh, so farming in cities. Basically. How does that work? You farm it in cities. You farm in a city. <laughs> but like, what kind of farm? Can I have a farm on the roof? I've got a flat roof. We want to put sedum up there. Can I have a little farm? What kind of farm? Pineapples? Probably, Probably not in London. No. Okay. What, what, would, what, what would I go for? Watercress. Anything that might grow elsewhere. Anything that might grow elsewhere. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I, I need more advice and you're the expert. Well, but, okay. I haven't finished yet. Okay. He's working on it. He's working on it. Working on it. Sorry, I don't mean to pronoun you. Uh, is it, uh, can I say he's working on it? Excellent. Um, all right. Well, when you know what will grow on my roof in Camden Town year-round... It's a flat roof. We're going to put some sedum up there. If you can think of anything we can farm. Cows? <laughs> Probably unethical to farm cows anyway because of all of the reasons. So we, the, cows the cows won't be happy. Thank the you. The council. Oh. <laughs> the council. No. Didn't know there was a council, but... Now you say it, it makes sense. The life would be happier for cows if they did have their own council. Um, who else is doing a PhD? Someone else? Who's got one already? Have you already got one? Or you've done it. Already got one. She's already got one. Uh, what is it about? Uh, solar panels. Solar panels. Saving the world, saving the world, saving the world. Thank you very much. Um, there'll be more PhDs in here. Can you see the quality of my audiences? Jimmy Carr could play Wembley fucking stadium. He couldn't hit one person with a tennis ball that gave a fuck about anyone. That might be... Listen, that's prejudice on my part. And I don't care. Um, I'm sure I'm wrong. Still don't care. Um, he's not bothered. Why should I be? Uh, so, um, is any, who thinks they've got an unfeminist job? Give us a cheer now. What's your unfeminist job? IT. IT. Why is it unfeminist? Because it is. Patriarchal. It's a, just a patriarchal organisation. It's not doing any good in the world. Um, do you do... And you were born in India. What, so you think you're living up to a stereotype by being in IT? And then you moved out. Oh, right. You were... Okay, you left India to get away from IT and it followed you. Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying this, guys. She's saying it. This is the kind of thing that a comedian in the, like the comedy store would be saying to some... I'm not doing any of this. I'm asking questions. And I'm getting unfeminist answers. And I feel it reflects poorly on me. Um, listen, does anyone do an unfeminist job but does stealth feminism within it? Because this is what I've discovered. is Some people in the most obvious feminist jobs... They are actually, you know, sort of like, yes, I'm obviously in a feminist job. But sometimes the people are in the most unfeminist industries and just get so sick of it that they just start moving the furniture. Has anyone done any stealth Trojan horse feminism recently? Yes, what's yours? Uh, I'm a stunt woman. A stunt woman? That's got to be feminist. Fuck off. That's amazing. Tell me everything. Okay, so a stunt woman. Yes. Film industry, not feminist, yes. But Stunt I woman. So you mean change things around and manipulate the director a little bit? A little bit. In what way? So you, subtle ways. Subtle ways. So the director says, 
could you get on this motorbike and get over the bus? Oh, no, the director says, I want a guy to do this, this, and that. And I go, have you thought about maybe a woman doing that? Oh, so they want a male stuntman, and you yeah. say, no. Yeah. You, I think what you should have there is a female yeah. stunt person, artist. What do you call yourself? Performer, stunt performer. So you are, you say, oh, actually, it would be really good to have a yeah. woman in that role. Yeah. And so the way you manipulate the director is by completely just contradicting what they've said. <laughs> I like that a lot. Although, isn't it... I was just going to say, is it not very dangerous? Should we not be, in fact, encouraging more men into stunt artistry? Because <laughs> I'm just... I don't know how many women we can afford to lose... I'm sure you do it very safely, though. I'm sure you do it very safely. Uh, if you've just arrived, we've just met a stunt woman, and the rest of the show will be interviewing her. <laughs> That's incredible. What's the most... What, tell me a stunt you've done. Uh, well, uh, yeah, OK, so the, uh, I got a little bit on fire the other day. Got a little bit on fire the other day. <laughs> and you thought your week at the office was bad. <laughs> At some point, we want to talk to you on stage. Like, get in, just email us, guiltyfeminist at gmail.com, because I'd like to hear more about being a stump woman and the stump women in the industry. We could have a whole episode on it. We could do it at the BFI. Are you on for that? Yeah. What's your name? Daz Parker. Daz Parker, of course yeah. it is. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? Well, listen, big round of applause for Daz Parker. Are we ready to start the show? Please welcome to the stage my incredible co-host for this evening. It's the one, the only, the Estamanito. <laughs> a little bit on fire. Love that. Just a little bit on that fire. Amazing. That needs to be an excuse for everything. I was a little. Why were bit you late fire? to this party? I was a little bit on fire. Wow. 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 Oh, Daz Parker. I know we're going to have you on, so I'm. I'm you know. But... Where is Daz Parker? <gasps> um, Daz Parker, who's, uh, can you tell us a celebrity you've stunted for? She's gone. <gasps> we were just talking about Sigourney Weaver backstage. Oh, my Back God. On. We were just talking about Sigourney Weaver. 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 Were we not just talking about Sigourney Weaver? Where Sigourney is she? <laughs> Parker, this is just wonderful stuff. Oh, she's up there. Oh, Daz, I can't see her. Where's Daz? Daz Parker, we've got to have you on the show. This is, oh, I mean, God. Well, look, we'll have you on the show in, in January, February next year, which is our next lot, block of shows. I'm so excited. Can you come, those will be at King's Place. Would you be able to come through the aisle on a bike and then just sort of flip onto the stage like, like a somersault? Or something? A, a little, little bit on fire, fire. yeah. Then I'll tell you what, the name of that show is going to be A Little Bit on Fire. Yeah. Esther, you can come back and co-host. Amazing. And we will do a little bit. On, we, the show will be called A Little Bit on Fire. If there's no fire on the night, you can ask for your money back because there will be a little bit of fire on the night. I don't care if I have to just light fire to a cake, a birthday cake. We will have fire. Sparklers? I don't know. We'll see. A <laughs> little bit on fire and there's just us with sparklers. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Daz is going to show us a trick. Um, I, I love that you're called Daz as well. Well, of course she is, though. I know. Daz Parker. I mean, she just sounds like a, like out, something out of a girl's own annual in, like, 1955. You are. You're a female superhero. Daz Parker to the rescue. A little no. bit on fire, but, but, but she's going to make it through. But more mid-20th century British. Like, oh, right, Daz, okay, I say, Daz Parker. Oh, right, It's like, okay. you know, Daz, Blyton. Yeah, Daz Parker, a little yeah. bit on fire. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but but like, more bunty, more like oh, girls' own adventure type stuff. Okay. No, Enid Blyton wouldn't have allowed. No, she like, wouldn't have allowed women. Anybody to be on no, fire. No. No. <laughs> she would have put a, put a fire out immediately and killed all drama. Yeah. Um, sorry, but it's only the truth, and I loved her when she. I was a this child. This is why you'll be cancelled for slagging off Enid Blyton. <laughs> I could do with the rest now. <laughs> she's playing fast and loose now. There's a stunt artist in the house. I'm competing, as only a comedian can. Um, How close... This is our stunt. How close can we get to being cancelled tonight without actually being cancelled? Which is always what a stunt person's doing, aren't they? A stunt artist is always like going, how close can I come to death without dying? Yeah, how close can we get to being cancelled? Yeah, I I don't really want that. I don't really want that. I I enjoy not being cancelled. Not with Christmas coming. I've got a lot to buy, so... (laughs) We are, of course, kidding. Nobody wants to be cancelled, slash... Would take it seriously. Now, I mean, it depends what you said, I suppose. Um, right. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. That wasn't excellent. Just give us a cheer if you listen to The Guilty Feminist. Give us a cheer if you don't know what you're at. Yeah, it showed. Now, just give us a cheer. Just, I, oh, I forgot to check this. At So Theatre Theatre, not the basement... Sometimes people think they were coming to a play because they've been to plays here before. Give us a cheer if you think you were you thought you were coming to a play. Yeah, so sorry. <laughs> to compensate, we're we do will a do a short play. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Called Daz Parker. <gasps> I would not dare. Um, uh, okay. This is no, this. We'll do the kind of play that might be on at Soho Theatre. Okay. Oh, we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll come in, actually. So I think more likely you'd be on your own at the top. Okay. Just it's because we're very short. Okay. What's the play about? Well, we don't know yet. We oh, okay. Improvised. No. Okay. But it's called it's called the guilty feminist. So I mean. Oh, okay. So guilty. Yeah, we shouldn't be. <laughs> oh, you're here again. And I see you're here again. I'm always here. This is the fourth protest at which you have been arrested, Miss Button. (laughs) I'm waiting to be rescued by a certain Daz Parker. (laughs) Miss Button always looked at me with her deep green eyes. (laughs) There was something about her, a tingle, a spark. I didn't know what it was but I felt it coming over me. I realised, even as I said that to myself, it sounded sexual. I didn't mean it to. I didn't want it to. I fought it as hard as I could. But the thing is, if you're arrested at one more, you do understand that you are in serious danger of not being able to teach anymore. (laughs) I don't care. I feel really strongly about urban farming. (laughs) I read between the lines. She wanted me. (laughs) Thank you, scene. That's our play. Short play. Um, Just if you did come for a play, I know it's disappointing not to get any sort of play at all. This is a podcast recording. So I can see how disappointed you would be. But also, on the upside, you don't have to sit through a fucking play. So, 
which you only really came to because you thought you should see a play. On the upside, yeah. this is really fun. Uh, just give us a cheer if you came for a play, but now you're quite happy it's not a play. Yep, one person. Uh, give us a cheer if you came for a play and you're a bit disappointed that still it is not a play. N- nobody. So the rest of them are still thinking about it. I think it. they've left. They haven't left. <laughs> they wouldn't dare. Not now they've had, they've had Daz Parker for no extra money. Are you ready for some stand-up comedy? Then please welcome to the stage the incredible Esther Benito. <laughs> oh, guys, listen, I'm going to have a real rant, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, give me a cheer if you're over 40. Ah, some of you, all right, okay, the rest of you. That's annoyed me, I won't, I won't lie. Uh, but I, I was taught, I'm 41, and... Um, by the way, I like the fact that none of you reacted to that in any way, shape or form. You're just all like, oh, really? 41? Is that all? Fuck me. She's had a bad life. <laughs> well, I'm 41. I was talking about it on stage and there was uh, a young girl in the front row, you know, like 20, you know, lovely, lovely young girl. But when I said I was 41, her genuine reaction, her genuine response to me saying I was 41 was to lean forward in her chair and just go, oh. <laughs> Ah, like I was a three-legged dog, just like, ah, and I was like, no, let's talk about what happens when you get into your 40s, because no one talks about it, but things change, they change, like for all of you who are 40, right, you'll relate to this, for all of you who are under 40, you'll recognise this from your mum's house, because the moment, the second you turn 40, all of a sudden, your entire house is just covered with all those little inspirational, funny little quotes, They're everywhere. They're all over your cushions. They're on your tea towels. They're on your mugs. You know, all those things that are there, like, you know, live, laugh, love. They're all there to remind everyone that even though I'm over 40, I've still got a personality. And we don't even know what they mean. What do they even mean? Live, laugh, love. What does it mean? Live, all right, then laugh. At what? Love, whatever. And I did that in my 20s. All I got was chlamydia. Honestly, it's insane. A friend of mine on my 40th birthday, she gave me a cushion. A cushion. And on it, it said, life is tough, but so are you. (laughs) So, well, I'm clearly not fucking tough. I'm having a nervous breakdown on Guilty Feminist Friday night in front of a hundred odd people, right? Another mate of mine, they gave me a mug. Good vibes only. Fuck off. I want cushions that say kill, crush, conquer. I want mugs that say it's all right to go to bed in your mascara, turn your knickers inside out, they'll last another day. That's what I want. I had had one of my stand-up videos out on social media. And underneath it, a bloke, John, right? He went, he went and wrote underneath my video, he went and wrote, you are just an attention-seeking slag. Yeah. That guy gets me. I want that on a cushion. I want that on a fucking tea towel. I want that hanging in my, hanging in my kitchen. Thank you very much. My God. By the way, I was, doing, I was doing this routine as part of my show when I was in Birmingham. And there was a couple in the front row. And when I said, I want a mug that says it's okay to go to bed in your mascara and just turn your knickers inside out, they'll last another day. There was a couple in the front row. And the man turned around very audibly to his missus and just went, that's you. <laughs> 
No judgment. Put, put your fresh knickers on. I'm saying it's not hard, is it? But uh, I, I, I think it's incredible the things that like, no one talks to you about. Like the menopause. That creeps up on you. Like the moment, the second. The second you don't... It's all anyone wants to talk to you about. It's the menopause. It's insane. I went to my doctor's. He sat there. As soon as he sees my age, he just shouts over his shoulder, it'll be the menopause. I'm like, I'm here for me, athlete's foot. He went, well, it's probably your perimenopause. I said, what the fuck is perimenopause? He said, perimenopause is the thing you are before you reach menopause. I said, you're giving us a label of the thing that we're going to be before we even reach the thing you want to label us as. By that logic, it means that when you're 40, you're perimenopause, or when you're 35, you're peri-perimenopause, or when you're 30, you're peri-peri-perimenopausal, which means when you're in your 20s, you're just too fucking spicy for a label. Which means, as women, we get a lot of labels and not a lot of medication. You can go to a doctor and be like, I'm having hot flushes, I'm having cold sweats, right? I'm sleeping too much, I'm not sleeping enough, I'm constantly bloated, I'm having a headache, and the doctor will turn around to you and go, well, you're probably Probably either premenstrual, menstrual, postmenstrual, perimenopausal, menopausal, postmenopausal. But if you could just move out the way, madam, there's a man over there with erectile dysfunction who needs all my attention, medication, and care. Guys, <laughs> you're mad. And the memory loss, no one talks about that. Honestly, the me- tell me I'm not alone. I spend 95% of my day from the moment I drop my kids off at school, 95% of my day is spent, stood in rooms upstairs in my own house, just going, what did I come in here for? Whose children are they? (laughs) What am I doing? And then you get told, well, that's a sign of the menopause. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. Because the moment I had children and I had to juggle kids, work and a house, I started forgetting shit. There is not a day I don't go down to the school gate and there'll be a mother at the school gate just there going, well, I worked a 40-hour week and then I had to drop the kids at the 27 different activities and then I had to remember the three different PTA meetings and then I had to remember to make cupcakes for the cupcakes hell. But on Thursday, I completely forgot, you know, one pound for little Johnny's red sock day and Dave, he shouted to me off the sofa. He went, oh, Brenda, that'll be that menopause brain. And I'm like, is it though, Brenda? Is it the menopause? Or is it that Dave won't get off the fucking sofa and help out once in a while? Menopause or Dave, Brenda? Menopause or Dave? It's hard to tell. I'll be honest with you. And it all got too much for me. It did. It, I, ended up, I ended up going loopy. I ended up just to turn up in my doctor's. I had a complete breakdown. I walked into the doctor's office and I was just there going, oh my God, I just feel like I'm going mad. I can't even say. I'm angry all the time. I can't remember anything. My cushion keeps lying to me. (laughs) And I don't feel good vibes only. (laughs) And I feel like I'm going insane. So she leant forward. She put her hand on my knee. She went, I think you're a little bit stressed. (laughs) What is it you do for a living? And I was like, (laughs) I'm a comedian. (laughs) She was like, oh my God, that's so exciting. Have you been on the telly? Have you met anyone famous? She then turned around and started Googling my name, right? I'm sat behind her, proper snot crying, mascara everywhere. She Googled my name and the first clip that came up was a clip that I did for Comedy Central, which was a routine about the time I caught my husband wanking in the shed. All right? He tried to defend himself by saying the only reason he wanks in the shed is because the shed reminds him of me, cold and wooden, right? (laughs) Oh, he was seething. He was seething about that because that clip, it ended up going viral just in his workplace. (laughs) Oh, he was seething. He came storming into the living room and he was like, I'm trying to maintain 
a professional image in my workplace and I have just been emailed three times by my work colleagues and CC'd a shed wanker. <laughs> Mummy has to pay the bills. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So she sits there and watches this entire clip, right? Which is a good two, three minute clip. And her reaction of her watching this clip is her just sat there going, mm. Mm. doctor's surgery my husband was waiting for me outside and I would come out and I was like and he was like what did she say and I was like she doesn't think I'm very funny <laughs> he was like is that her medical opinion just like, get up off the floor we're in Sainsbury's and I'm like no that's why we need people talking about this stuff because it's you're not young anymore and you're not old it's a weird period of your life to be in and things do change like I did a tough has anyone here done a tough mudder one I assume you work in a finance team my darling I assume that's why you did it because when I did Tough Mudder I, I had no idea what it was and I did it with a group of comedians that were like well known comedians but and we did it to raise money for charity um, <clears throat> but when I turned up there seemed to be a lot of like finance teams from, from different banks all just dressed as Lara Croft all just going oh my god Buckley's finance and I was just there in 12 sports bras just going, I know, just a lot more sexual than I thought it was going to be. So, but I agreed to do it because, you know, we were raising money for charity and all I knew was that Tough Mudder is some kind of, you know, physical event. And uh, I panicked. I panicked. I was like, you know, I'm 41. I've had a couple of kids. My pelvic floor is not what it once was. So I thought, I know what I'll do, right? I'll pop in a little tenor lady. Now, for those of you who don't know what a tenor lady is, it's a lovely little pad. You pop it in your knickers. Should you piss yourself, it absorbs. No one's none the wiser. Crisis averted. So I was like, whoo. But what nobody told me was, what nobody told me was, is that tough mudders are very little running and a lot of being submerged in icy, muddy water. So within seconds of starting this Tough Mudder race, I was plunged waist deep in icy water and my tenor lady just absorbed and absorbed and absorbed. So by the time I got the, out the first obstacle, my knickers were down by my knees. It was like I had a loaf of Hovis in my pants, right? And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. So I turned around and Shappy calls Sandy. She turned around to me and she goes, just take your tenor lady out and throw it. I was like, I can't take my tenor lady out and throw it. I was like, people are taking photos of you lot because you're all celebrities. They don't need me in the background just lobbing a tenor lady into the next field. So I didn't know what to do. So I, I'm, I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it, but I just like rinsed it. <laughs> But then I did the next obstacle and it reabsorbed and then I had to rinse it again and then it reabsorbed. And, and then the last obstacle of a tough mudder is something called the human pyramid. Mm. And the human pyramid is where you and your teammates have to stand on each other's shoulders and hoist each other over a wall. Now, because I'm tall, I was towards the bottom, stood on the shoulders of a male comedian who you all know, but he has not given me permission to use his name 
in this anecdote, and I'm stood on his shoulders, and I'm hoisting, hoisting up old Jess Fostergue over this wall, right? And as you know, she's fucking hench, right? And I'm pushing her up, I'm pushing her up, and as I'm pushing her, my knees buckle and go down and down and down. So I ended up crutched to forehead with this male comedian, and my tenor lady compressed, and all the muddy water... <laughs> from my tenor lady just drizzled over his face. I feel like I created a new image of feminism, right? Do you remember that one from the wall, the one with the lady with her head wrapped up going, we can do it. Well, I've created a new image, just women tenor bagging men's heads. <clears throat> just going, is this what we should do? Is this what you want? Now, I can't tell you who that man was, who that comedian was, but I can tell you that is why I will never, ever, ever be asked to go on Taskmaster. <laughs> Thank you very much. Esther Benito, everybody! In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We are coming back to Australia, New Zealand in May, finally, for more incredible live shows. We start in Christchurch on the 11th of May. Then we're going to Auckland, Wellington, Adelaide, Perth, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and finally finishing in Canberra on the 28th of May. Every show will be different. There'll be live music from Grace Petrie at every single one. There'll be other comedians, incredible local guests, and some performance poets, as always. We cannot wait to see you there. For all the details and to book, go to guiltyfeminist.com and click on live shows. Book now because tickets are already selling fast. 
Now, Londoners and people who can get to London, I am emceeing an extremely urgent fundraiser for the NGO Medical Aid for Palestinians. The show is called Voices for Gaza, and it raises money for MAP, that's Medical Aid for Palestinians, who are sending doctors, medical equipment and medical supplies to Palestine, which, as you know, is absolutely urgently needed at the moment. It's at the Roundhouse on the 3rd of March, 7pm. Doors are 7pm. Show starts at 7.30. The ticket price is £20 and all the money goes to MAP. And none of the performers are being paid, of course. Uh, but the performers include, it's going to be an incredible night to come together in solidarity. The performers include Khalid Abdallah, Galia Benali, Bedouin Berger, Jen Brister, who you'll know from The Guilty Feminist, Brian Cox, who you'll know from Succession, among other things, Rob Delaney, um, Hani El Dakak of Massa Egbari, Inua Elams, El Farsi, um, the Galilee Quartet, who are uh, Palestinian brothers and sister uh, music quartet, Nish Kumar, Motaz Malhi, Sabrina Malfus, David Morrissey, Alexi Murdoch, Michael Rosen, Alexi Sale, Juliet Stevenson, Harriet Walter, Samuel West, Susan Wakoma, and Imran Youssef. Tickets are only £20, which for that lineup is an extraordinary thing. Um, but we'll also be raising more money on the night. Please come, please spread the word. We will also put details of that on guiltyfeminist.com. We've also got more shows coming up at King's Place on in London on the 25th of March, the 10th of April, the 12th of June and the 15th of July. Keep an eye on our website and our socials for news of guests and co-hosts. And we'll try and do some more around the UK this year as well. So keep an eye out for that. You can get ad-free episodes via Patreon, Apple Podcasts or Acast Plus. And if you're passing iTunes or Spotify and you felt like leaving us a five-star review for any individual episode or the podcast in general, we'd love you forever. And now... Back to the podcast. All right, you ready to meet our guest? Woo! Our guest today is a stand-up comedian and artist who's performed in seven different countries across four continents. In 2022, she was a semi-finalist in both the BBC New Comedy Awards and One to Watch. Please welcome to the stage and to the mic, Kate Checker. Hi, you guys all right? Cool. It is so nice to wear makeup for a podcast. Um, I tend not to wear makeup or even like dress up in any way when I do stand-up because stand-up usually involves dealing with a lot of straight men. Um, and I like to give them the energy they give to the rest of the world. So, yes. Um, yeah, it's been a bit of like a weird time. I went on a protest uh, last weekend and for the first time in my life I saw a police officer that I fancied. I was like, oh my God, new kink unlocked. <laughs> leave the body cam on. <laughs> no, seriously, leave it on. We know what you guys are like. Um, <laughs> yeah, it started quite deep. Um, <laughs> it's a weird time. I feel actually the weird time actually started right at the beginning of the summer when those billionaires drowned in that submarine. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, like obviously we didn't care or anything, but mm, it was weird though because I had a friend of mine that did care and I was like, how did you get in the friendship group? Um, <laughs> so weird. Um, he was like, no, I just think it's so sad to think of them, like, miles down at the bottom of the ocean running out of oxygen. And I was like, I'm not sad. There's plenty of oxygen up here. I'm sure some will trickle down eventually. <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there was the orca uprising. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, okay. So if you don't know, there was like a group of orcas in the Mediterranean that were like tipping yachts, like tipping yachts over. And it was a real relief, actually, because I thought I was going to have to do the revolution. <sighs> 
Because I was like, oh my God, it's fine. The orcas are on it. Um, but the, yeah, I hope they have a Patreon. Um, but the lead orca, uh, the press nicknamed her White Gladys. And I was like, first of all, she's not white. <laughs> no white woman would lead the revolution. <laughs> That's insane. Have you met white women? Very self-involved. Uh, <laughs> my mother's white. Um, and secondly, she's an orca. So clearly she's biracial. That's how orcas work. <laughs> Yeah, um, I did have some fun though this summer. I went on a hen party in Barcelona. Yeah, it was actually my friend Edna's hen party and she's this queer black feminist that lives in Berlin and there was a white guy called Tom from Dorset there. Yeah, I was like, you seem lost. <laughs> and um, he showed up, he got really, really drunk. He started a fight in the queue for the nightclub and then he shagged one of the hens. Oh my God, spoiler, it was me. <laughs> well done, Tom. <laughs> Yeah, and then we were like lying in the hotel the next day and he was like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get you breakfast. And he came back with a loaf of brioche and some chocolate milk. And I was like, I'm not a 10-year-old French boy. <laughs> What's this breakfast? Um, yeah, I'm dealing with this new phenomenon at the moment in my life where I'm only having sex now on holiday. Yeah, it's very expensive. Um, <laughs> I'm averaging a holiday per month. Um, and I think it started last year when I went to Croatia alone. And I didn't want to go alone. So I put on my Instagram, anyone free wants to come with me on holiday to Croatia. And one man who I'd met once in real life at a Weatherspoons um, said yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great, I've got a friend. And then as the holiday drew closer, I was like, oh, no, this man's going to murder me in Croatia. Uh, but good news, he missed his first fight. And the second he got deported for not having a valid passport. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Your first time murdering someone lame? Um... <laughs> Yeah, so then I was in Croatia alone and I went to a local bar and I met a local man and he invited me to go on his boat with his captain. So I packed up all my stuff and I went to get on the boat and then I was like, wait a minute, what am I thinking? A whole ass woman getting on a boat with two strange men. And my second thought was, what am I thinking? A black person getting on a boat. <laughs> Historically, that doesn't end well for us. <laughs> okay, cool. Just checking you guys knew about slavery. Uh, <laughs> weird. It's Black History Month last month. They have to do this. Um, <laughs> just so you know. Speaking of slavery, because um, I haven't thought of a better segue, um, I've been thinking a lot about Meghan and Harry. How, do, how, do we, how, does, how does the guilty feminist audience feel about Meghan and Harry? What are your vibes, Meghan and Harry-wise? We love them. Said no one ever at a comedy show. Oh my God, so bold. Okay, we love them here. There are some people that just don't care. Yeah, a lot of don't cares. Anyone actively dislike them? Oh my God, that's so nice. Most people really hate them. I feel like most people in this country hate Meghan because they feel like somehow she came to the UK and she stole Harry from us. And to that, all I have to say is, yes, it's not nice to go to people's countries. <laughs> Steal the people. <laughs> Take them to America. <laughs> and profit a lot of money off them. <laughs> what I'm saying is she beat the British at their own game is uh, what happened there. Well done, Meghan. Um, Speaking of America, I was recently in Texas. Um, I was actually in Mexico, but I wanted to see a real third world fucked up country. So I went to Texas. Um, and I don't know if you've been to Texas, but everywhere I go, there's these anti-abortion billboards that say things like, a baby's heart beats at four weeks, please don't abort it. And there was one that was like, a baby smiles in the womb at eight weeks, please don't abort it. And I was like, well, if a baby smiles in a womb and no one sees it, <laughs> did it really smile, you know? <laughs> Um, and I wanted to do comedy when I was in Texas and my friend said to me, that's fine, but please don't talk about abortion on stage. We're very sensitive about it here. And it made sense, actually, because when I got pregnant when I was 20 living in London, I had an American housemate and she offered to push me down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, why would I give up one of my unlimited government paid for NHS abortions to let you push me down the stairs, Alison? Um, 
But then I went to Texas um, and I didn't follow my friend's advice and I talked about abortion on stage and the crowd in Texas um, really didn't like it and I kind of got a bit angry with them and I lost my temper and I said something, I, I said to them, well, I guess you had to make abortion illegal here, otherwise where were you going to get all those school children you love to shoot so much? <laughs> yeah. No, they did not like it in Texas. Uh, the fastest I've ever had to leave a stage. My friend was like, very funny, but people have guns here. Let's go. Uh, um, you guys have been lovely. Thank you for having me. Hey, that was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me here. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And um, I've, it's the first time I've seen your stand-up live. Yeah. And I love it. I think you're fantastic. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> we're talking about milestones. Mm. Have you got any milestones in your life that when you've come to them, you've thought, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be? Or now I feel like this imposition, like I'm 30, I've got to be on it now. And then like you've listened to sort of the kind of societal forces that have told you everything's got to be different because you've done this big thing. And have you questioned that or have you played into that? Like, Where are you with your milestones? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously you're younger than me. (laughs) Um, But I remember like as soon as I turned 30, it was, but I, I think it's different now as... 10 years ago because when I turned 30 there was like a lot of well you need to have your shit together whereas in mm. now people who are 30 they're like how we were when we were in our 20s now I think people get a lot more time to is that <laughs> what you think people take a longer time to no I think they've just got more freedom now there's less pressure to like you know you've got to be fully grown up and sorted and set and that's it Forever now. What were you doing at thirty? What did you do at thirty that made you feel like right? I've I'm got I'm getting my ducks in a row. I had kids. Oh, did you? Yeah, is, I had is kids. That your, I was married was, and had children. Was is the first baby a big watershed where you go? Okay, got to I've got to look after someone else now. <laughs> someone in the audience <laughs> is saying yeah. Is that? I mean, you should, shouldn't you? Think yeah, I've got to look after someone now. Oh, there's someone in the audience saying you've got to have a good long cry yeah. that your life isn't just your own anymore. Yeah, that tends to happen. Yeah. In, yeah. In, it's, yeah. yeah. Do you regret having children? Oh, my God, no. Oh, okay, um, no, you don't. Are you the child? You... <laughs> oh, is that your, is that your mom? Let's find out now. That? Gosh, I'm really glad she said, no, she didn't regret it, because that would have been... But did you know but she you had... bring a... mum out on a Friday night, because she'll pay for the wine. Did you know she had a good long cry when you were born? Yeah, have, have you told your daughter this before? Three days later. Oh. Three days later. Did you, has your mum ever told you she had a cry when you were born because life's no longer own? Well, this is a what a this time is like to family live. therapy. This is like this is like a, one of those stress nightmares that people have, isn't it? Sort of like my. I was in the audience last night. My mum was saying I cried when you were born because my life. But look how lovely it is now because now you've got a grown-up companion to go out with. You, uh, you were very happy before you were you can't you can't see this but the daughter just turned around to the mum and went no I don't I don't want her to shush at all I, li- I, I want to give her a microphone you were so ha- she was so happy in the womb oh, inside you had to be in oh you two were happy oh we thought oh, you were talking about yeah. someone else I thought yeah. you meant you and the, the dad no. were like oh, we no, were so I happy and it. then she came along and fucked yeah. it all up 
around. Yeah. I feel like we're the first partner that's been brought home. You yeah. brought us home and we're introducing I'm us not, to your mum. And she's I'm, like, I'm, I was in labour for days with her. Yeah, go on. <laughs> what? They, the water had dripped out. Does they, does no, they come skin, out yeah, dry the womb. No, I'm loving it. Don't tell her to be quiet. This is wonderful. This is. She she just what? Sorry. She got a lovely massage from baby on. Oh this my god! Can I just master. say you're such a lovely mum. What a lovely mum. <laughs> How many children do you have? She had very very big eyes. She had very big eyes. She looked a bit like E.T. She looked a bit like E.T. She looked a bit like E.T. Okay, all right. Well, listen, that... She's more beautiful now. Yes. Oh, she just said now she's the most beautiful thing in the world. She is the most beautiful thing in the world. I'm delighted. Do you both live here or are you on holidays? No, I've been here for a long time, yeah. You've been here for a long time? She doesn't sound like me. She's proper British-born, Oh, okay. You born in Britain? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so if you're listening at home, her daughter just said, I, when I came here, I warned her this was being recorded live and she must not speak. <laughs> However, she has not listened to you. And I think fe- the feminist in her has come. She said, no, I'm not listening to anybody telling me to be quiet. If my daughter. No, no. Well, listen, I am glad that your milestone was such a successful one. How do you feel, Kate? What's a milestone that for you has changed your life? That was 29. It was like seeing 30 coming up. But like I'd already not, I was not going to do the marriage kids thing. All my friends started getting married and having kids because I came from a small town and I ran away to Berlin. Mm. I sort of saw it coming on the horizon. I was like, fuck this for a laugh. And I went to Berlin and then I was having a great time. But then 29, I ended up in Nepal following a man Oh, following a man to Nepal, which is a bad classic idea. Classic of the late twenties. A German man. A classic of the genre. Yes. Yeah. A German so man. Did you, know German you were following him, or were you yeah, like ducking no. behind the letterboxes? <laughs> he was like, "Kate, what are you doing here?" <laughs> no, no, we were dating, and then he got a job in Nepal, and I was like, "I'm coming. I'll come to Nepal," and so I went. And I was in Nepal. And then he turned out to be an absolute fucking arsehole. Um, and then I was trapped in Nepal for two months because I, like, I couldn't change my flight. I had no money. I, I spent my last of my money going to Nepal. Yeah. So then I was sort of in Nepal. Did you turn it into an eat, pray, love moment? Yes. Basically, I was 29. I was in Nepal. Like, this hadn't worked out. And it was like I had this moment. It was the monsoon season and I left this bar the day before I was getting the flight back home and the, mo- the heavens opened and it was sort of raining down on me and I was Cleansing like... Cleansing rain. Yeah, and I was like, wow, if you can get through this where like the person you thought you were going to love most in the world says like real horrible stuff to you, your face, then oh. what could a room of strangers possibly do? <laughs> but that was so, before I'd done stand-up. So, so that's <laughs> when you came No, I know, they can do quite a lot of damage. And in then, yeah. But then I was like, what could they do? And, and I was like, I'm going to... We're gigging to stag do's in Reading. You're yeah. like, oh no, actually, Oh, actually, be. you're quite... Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it can, can be, be horrible. Yeah, yeah. But, but at the time, what you told yourself <laughs> was, it can't be worse than it standing It can't be worse than this broken... Yeah, this broken yeah. heart. <gasps> and so I went back to Berlin and I was like, I'm going to try doing stand-up. I was and like, so I, have to, I have to have a thing. I can't just what be... What a story. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, if you want to clap it, you can. Like, yeah. No <laughs> <laughs> um, two of the worst things in my life instigated the guilty feminist and Ooh. made me just go, fuck it. 
I am not going to lie down and take this and I am going to be who I want and say what I want. And without, without some men who made my life very difficult in different ways, I won't go into the details, uh, but I wouldn't have done this show. And I think those iconic moments in your life where somebody tries to push you down or keep you down can actually be your biggest breakthroughs. If you let them, like if Mm. you can, it can either be, it depends on your personality and your life and how much trauma you've had and how much trauma upon trauma you've had. But it can be for some people at some times, the very elastic that you think, oh, it's going to break. You think, no, I'm going to let it springboard me into where I should be. So I'm so glad that you did that. Yeah. And how, so when you turned 30, were you already doing stand-up? So then I was doing, so I'd done stand-up for then like, yeah, 10 months or so, I guess, by that point. But it was like all my friends had kids and they were getting married and they had houses. They were like doing a thing and I was just the one floating around in Berlin, like living my best life. Like I was having a great time, but like I hadn't really but got I was, a job or like a, a career or anything. But I was the opposite. I had like your normal life. Yeah. And then I had a baby and a two-year-old and I started, like I was this. like, I'm going to do stand-up. Yeah. But I did it in secret. Yeah. Did because you? No one would no one would be okay with that. What do you mean no one would be okay? Well, you just, you know, it's like what are you doing? You know? So I was like <laughs> creeping out and then I sat my husband down and was like, look, I've got something to tell you. And he was like, just say it, just say it. And I went, I've started doing stand-up comedy. And he was like, I genuinely thought you were gonna tell me you were having an affair. Of and I was course. like, no. He was like, of all the things I expected you to say, that is not what I expected you wow. to say. Of course, because if you're sneaking out of yeah. the house at night <laughs> and then sneaking back in, that's exactly what was going through my head. I yeah. thought if you're like secretly doing stand-up comedy, mm. it can are you come back smelling of booze and cigarettes. cigarettes. And also stand-up comedy gives you like that validation. And during the walk yeah, of shame. You, yeah, like, yeah, that satisfaction. But, yeah. You come back really satisfied, like mm. it gives you a glow. And yeah. I'll tell you, the time, if I do a really good stand up comedy gig and I walk home, that is the time most likely that men will hit on me. Yeah. I was once standing mm. at a bus stop and someone, had, I'd done a charity gig and they'd given me a bottle of champagne as a present. And I was standing at this bus stop and a man came up to me, nice looking guy as well, and he just went, Shall we drink that back at your place or back at mine? <laughs> Bold. Yeah, it was really bold. It was really bold. And I gave him cred for, you know, I wasn't going to go back with him, but I, I gave him... But you did you know, open the champagne and share it with him <laughs> at the bus stop. You're like, we'll do it here. <laughs> I didn't. I said... I, but I let him... I let him... I let him have a... I let him have a try, but I knew I wasn't... I knew I was wasting his time. I had something very similar when I was coming back from a gig and I had a really shit face where Stan fans scream at me, can I put my number in your phone? And I said no. And he got really angry and went, the only reason I wanted to put my number in your phone is because I wanted to know if you fancy going Legoland <laughs> that seems implausible Legoland yeah he was so off his tits and I was like I don't want to go Legoland and then he got really angry when I'm so fed up with people slagging off Legoland <laughs> But what? you know what? I did that in my show. I told that story in my show and there was a big group of West Ham fans in because yes. they'd heard about it. And one of them said to me, I bet I know who that is. So I was like, so he's out there. He's out there. I he's offering to take women to Legoland. West fan, West Ham fan of, of, wow. takes people to Legoland. Yeah, he was going, Legoland's actually really quaint, actually. Oh. <laughs> quaint! I mean, uh, so really similar to the champagne story. Yeah. 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 Do you have? I've, you won't have heard this, but on the, I've done it a couple of times. The Guilty Feminist now, and I'm I'm getting back feedback on how it's going. So my goddaughter um, 
loves when uh, um, she looks very, you know, grown up as lots of, you know, teenagers do now. And if a man is really sleazy with her hits on her, he, she loves turning around and going, I'm 13, <laughs> which she is. To, and they go, oh, uh, like that. Yeah. And I, so I've started using it. And <laughs> it's really funny. It's really funny. Someone said something like, you know, tasteless to me as I was walking up an escalator on the tube. And I went, I'm 13. <laughs> and you see their confusion. And also like, well, I don't yes. want to be a paedophile or anything but also you don't look 13 and they're so thrown by it yeah. that they don't want to go you're not 13 and run after you because then they look like they're chasing yeah. you know if anyone hears that doesn't see me yeah. but also you know <laughs> you don't want me chasing someone up an escalator on the tube being like you don't look 13 yeah so, <laughs> so the other, other women have said it has worked for them as well go yeah, the other way yeah I'm 85 mate <laughs> 85 but then you're such a hot 85 no they won't care they'll they'll love that even more no but say that you're older anyway I love it I'm always like yeah I'm 50 and people are like wow you look good and I'm like thank you that's apparently what French women do yeah is that what that's what French women do you know how we said French women no French women do you know they say that they're a bit older so people go oh my god you look amazing oh my god that's totally what you should do maybe not say 85 though And also, I think with my accent, nothing can sound or look sophisticated. So Try like, I'm 13. <laughs> I'm, I'm 13 and just 13. see. But you to have the West Ham fans s- on the way home. <laughs> you want to go to Legoland? I'm 13! Yeah. They're like, yeah, you're going to love it. You'll fit right in at Legoland. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that feels like a more appropriate invitation in that yeah. case. <laughs> 13 year olds would agree to go to Legoland. Have you been to Legoland? <laughs> no, no, of course you haven't. It's well shit. Is it? Yeah. I have not right. been to Legoland. <gasps> um, have you been to Legoland? Yeah. yeah. What, what? What? Such a Legoland heavy audience. What? Why? If you, Why? Surely, yeah. Surely you don't. She go took her big eyed daughter. Yeah. You school on trip. trip. Yeah. Okay. Ha- Fucking hell. I feel like we've strayed off <laughs> milestones, unless going to Legoland is a milestone. When was the first time you felt truly free? Felt independent and free? Where you felt, because I think that's important for Any feminism. day now. Uh, when, what, what? Well, the first time you left the house alone or the first time you went out on your, you know, you stayed out overnight on your own or you left home or, oh. when do you think you felt free? I think I felt free when I started traveling on my own mm. and I didn't have anyone to answer to. And it was a different time because it was sort of before mobiles were like, you know, everyone wasn't like, it's before smartphones was a different world because people didn't expect to hear from you all the time. So you could just leave the house and you weren't available till you came back. Mm. And that oh, was that a good, good. It mm. was. It was a Isn't really good, good time. Yeah. And so you could just be like, <laughs> leave the house for eight hours. And if anyone wanted you, well, they couldn't get you. But more than yeah. that, they didn't expect to be able to get you. Because now people be in a panic. They'd yeah. be like, where were you? Why didn't you have your phone on? We needed you. Whereas in those days, it'd be like, oh, we wanted you, but you were unavailable. Yeah. And the technology's not been invented to, to, to ha- keep you captive. And it was a great time, like a great, great time. And I used to, I used to travel and you just have to meet people on the road and chat to them and make friends with them. And then when you left them, you could be soulmates. You'd never see them again because you change addresses, but you were both like traveling on gap years and stuff. So Mm. as if you're going to fucking write to them and they're not going to be at that address anyway, they're going to have moved on. So I don't know any of them Write to them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why that really made me laugh. Yeah. Because it was before social media. So you'd meet someone amazing and you've no idea who they are or where they are now. And you can't even remember their name. These were better times. Yeah. Basically, you were just a free spirit wandering through life, forgetting people's names. Yeah. 
It's how I expect to be when it's I'm very old. It's how life should be. Now we're expected to stay in touch with everyone. Too many people. Too like, many people. I can't possibly... But I do. I am fascinated by what people are doing. I'm quite lucky that no one wants to stay in touch with me. So it's... <laughs> That's it's not quite. true. Anyway. That's not true. <laughs> when did you feel truly free? I think I felt truly free when I was on the road on my own, no expectations. Sometimes a bit scared, but truly free. I've just recently started open water swimming, and that has given me open water. Is that what it's called? Wild swimming. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. That has given me a bit of a lease of life. Mm. I like running. I like just going out and running. Sometimes I'll just run and run. I think. I mean, you meet a lot of women as well on the roads. We're all just running, all just <laughs> much, just running. Yeah. And you're like, where are you running? I don't know. How long are you doing? Marathon. Mm. Just yeah. gonna keep going. We're all like Forrest Gump, just heading. Yeah. <laughs> just don't want to go home. Um, yeah. I but wild, wild water swimming is so. I get that. Yeah. I don't. It just suddenly feels I, like you haven't got anything you're not listening to it because when you run yeah it's I'll just put on you a, in the water it's and just it's so cold yeah well it's just so cold it shocks you out of thinking and worrying i suppose it just puts you in the moment but then there's always some really lithe man who speeds past you and i'm like oh for god's sake yeah and i'm like plodding along it's got to be you in the water got to be me in the water you and, yeah. the, you and the shock of the My water mom loves a wild swim does she yeah 76 in the river every day wow yeah She's amazing. Kate, what do you, what's your free... Do you remember a milestone of true freedom? Because I think we can tap into it meditatively for yeah. feminism. I think I always was quite free. Yeah, I was about to say. I you've think always so. been free. I've always been free because Judith, bless her, that's my mother, she, single mother, and she, and she was old. Not like... Born old. <laughs> she was a bit older. She's she had always me, been old. She had me a boy too. She, she didn't have the energy. She couldn't chase me. So if I just ran down the street, I was gone. <laughs> Wow. So I used She's to just there at the top of the street going, if it's meant to be. Yeah, yeah, she'll come, she'll come yeah. back. Yeah. If it's and meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I so bet I, you had big eyes as a baby as well. Yeah. Did I, she olive oil you up? Huh? She won't oil. Did she, she did, but she did. did she but did. I think because you're, you're supposed to oil the black ones up. That sounds weird. <laughs> but like, just dry, we, we have to have oil. So I was oiled up too. But that's um, also an Arab thing. We oil. We yeah, you, okay, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so I don't sound like So as a child, you felt a great deal of freedom. You could I run was around. Quite, I was quite allowed to just go. She was like, just uh, off you go. She oh. didn't want to hang out with me. That she wasn't much. a helicopter parent. <laughs> no, I would say very hands off. Yeah. Actually, well, probably too hands off. Well, I think off. it's because we don't talk about the honest truth, which is that yeah. kids can be really boring. Yeah. I don't know if I should say this, let's say out loud. No, Maybe it's, it's really fine. Boring. Like, she's, she's not, no one's going to put her in prison now, but like 76. But like when I was, used to come home drunk when I was sort of like 16, um, rather than being like, stop coming home drunk, she just put a bed in the garage. <gasps> Because she was like, stop waking me up when you come home drunk. Oh, wow. So you have to sleep in the garage. So I slept in the garage for, for two years, pretty much. And look how you I'm... turned out. Great, you, fine. You turned out great. I'm just going to put a bed in the garage. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah, so I had too much Legoland. freedom. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when's your feminist milestone? When did you feel like, fuck this re... She was Gender. a massive feminist, so I was always I was I thought it was I thought we were all feminists. I didn't know it was a, I just thought we were because she she had a downstairs downstairs toilet. It's still to this day, it's full of like feminist postcards, you know, with quotes like "As a woman, I have no country. As a woman, my country's the whole world." You know, yeah. So I had yeah, so laugh, laugh. Bit like cushion. No, cushion, not that. Like, <laughs> bit like your cushions. Live, laugh, laugh. Bit no. my cushions. Yeah, your cushions and mugs. Yeah, yeah. So she had all these feminist postcards, and I had boyfriends that were afraid to piss in the downstairs toilet because it was so intense. All all these feminist postcards so i thought we were all feminists and then i was like found out at like 12 that we weren't i was like what crazy 
I was the same. My parents raised that they were just like, no, we're all we're, we're feminists. Yeah. So you're a feminist. Yeah. So I just was like, okay. But then I grew up like in the nineties where it's just like, you're not a feminist. It's girl power, actually. Right. Oh, yeah. You're not allowed feminism. <laughs> did you? Did you? Do you have an iconic feminist moment where you push back against something or you? Like I protested at school about them taking our music classes away and got them to hire a music teacher because they were, our music teacher was leaving and they weren't going to replace him. Mm. And we just did a sit-in, basically. We went to the headmaster's office and did a sit-in. And they said, you, you, for the class we wanted, they said, unless you can get 10 students together, it's not going to happen. And they didn't think we would because there was only four of us. And we <laughs> went around campaigning and convincing other students that they wanted to do music. And there was a new boy, and we're, most, we were all girls, and there was a new boy, and we told him that the class was going to be only girls, so he was going to have, like, you know... <laughs> it wasn't a very feminist campaign, That's if it. I look yeah. back on that. And <laughs> we were like, this is my feminist We <laughs> will all have sex with no, you. No, I didn't say that. You I didn't say that. Do you have lesson? tap dancing yeah. shoes? <laughs> Um, so yeah that was my first and mm. then stand then always when I was a Jehovah's Witness standing up to mm. you know like pointing out unfeminist things in the Bible pointing out feminist things in the Bible for my own arguments uh, sometimes answering questions in the Bible studies I, not the way that I was meant to answer them stealth feminism all the time as a Jehovah's Witness mm. and constantly until virtually like you know I could have been kicked out for some of the things I did but I was devout in other ways so they kind of let it slide um, but yeah, I can remember those milestone moments in my life where I stood up and said yes, or stood up and said no. And, uh, the first one was school where I realized, oh, you can change things if you just refuse mm. to go away. I think the time that I felt probably the most feminist, I was, uh, a little humble brag here, but I was the first female comedian to ever perform at Dubai Opera House. And I remember <gasps> coming off stage and... Just seeing a, because Dubai is so multicultural, but just seeing women from every single walk of life and there's me just slagging off husbands and kids and it doesn't matter whether you're, where you're from, there's just women there just going, yeah, yeah, and coming off. And then um, my husband, when I came off, he rang and he had my daughter on FaceTime and she just went, you're really cool. Aww. And I was like, yeah, I just feel really bad that I've just slagged you off. Yeah. Dave, Dave on the sofa is a universal thing. It's not always called Dave in different countries, it's called different things. Kate, have you got any moments that were like a feminist milestone where you went, fuck it, I'm standing up for myself here? I don't know. I don't think it, I think it took me a while to find my voice, even though I was like free and I knew it. So I don't know if there was like a moment. I did protest at school, but like for the Iraq war, that, I don't know how feminist that How was. successful was that? Uh, really good, actually, yeah. yeah. Um, in the town of Bradford-on-Avon, I think, yeah. <laughs> the few of us that marched out of school. <laughs> really. Listen, good for you. Yeah. yeah, the important thing is, I still think it matter. It really does matter because I was looking at the stats on how many people marched um, in Iraq and it, for Iraq and it was like a million people came yeah. out into London for Iraq and all around the country. Um, there were more than that. Kylie Minogue, she was next to us in the, that protest. Was she? Yeah, with that. Who was the guy that she, the really good looking guy she was with? What was his name? French, James was he Murdoch. French? No, Fre- no he was a French Danny guy. Mike. I don't know. What's his name? Really good looking actor. Know. I don't think that was the point of the march. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm a feminist. Kylie Minogue's boyfriend was yeah, at the yeah, yeah. Iraq yeah. march, and that's all um, I can remember. <laughs> well, what I will say is you've just won the Funny Women yeah. uh, Award. So you've won the whole competition, which is a big championship. <laughs> so that is a milestone. Yes. Do you have anything to plug, Kate? Oh, just me. <laughs> Where can we follow you? Kate Checker, Instagram. C-H-E-K-A, yeah. Kate Checker, Instagram. And uh, Esther Manito, anything to plug? 
uh, again, just me. I, my tour is going to be extended, so can you please come <laughs> to that? Come to see Estaminito's show. What's the show called? Uh, Hell Hath No Fury. Love Hell Hath No Fury. Love it. And any other gigs you want us to come and see, or anything you want us to do, nah. or just follow you on socials just follow and we'll find me. out. Okay, so follow Kate, check out, and congratulations <laughs> on winning Funny Women. <laughs> that's yeah, that's really amazing. fantastic. Well done. Thank you very much to Estaminito. <laughs> Thank you very much to Kate Checker. Big round of applause for Daz Parker. Thank you. I've been the guilty feminist, and we've been the guilty feminist. I've been Deborah Francis White. Thank you. Good night. You have been listening to the guilty feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Alison Spittle, and our very special guest Lydia Pettit. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Selinski for the Spotted Shop. Thanks to Rachel Croft and Gina Dicio, Zainab Mohammed, and everyone at Soul Theatre as well as all of you for listening. For information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. safe to get in touch with me come on the show <laughs> tap dance for us nothing bad's gonna happen this sounds terrible tom cut all of that out just cut all of that anyone out. that has to say it's safe to contact me on the internet <laughs> i just was trying to make it better and i made it so much worse can you please please safe do it i'm a feminist me. but i'm desperate for you to do one do one <laughs> i'll do anything to do one <laughs> i am a feminist but The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.